Alrighty, hello there everyone. Welcome to episode 6 on the Soma Mama podcast. I am very, very excited to introduce to you our lovely guest, guest number 2 on the Soma Mama podcast. And we are currently recording this via Zoom. Just as a disclaimer, uh, I'm new to this whole podcast thing. And so the the audio sound, it's it, you're going to it's probably going to get better as we go. Just just so you know to all of this listening. I uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to Kara Campbell, who, as for a little bit of context, um, we met back in Northern Idaho, um, where she resides now, and um, where I previously lived, because it is my hometown, and I was living in my mother's uh, apartment above her garage for a period of time after I had I lived abroad and traveled and basically arrived home with with no money in my bank account. And mom had generously offered up this space for for me to live. And um, yeah, I I never will forget the moment that Kara walked into one of my yoga classes. It was in December and um, she had just recently transitioned to Idaho and yeah, it was one of those moments where, and we, in this episode, we'll talk a lot more about trust in the divine, but it was like, I, she arrived and, and we both knew she was meant to be there and our relationship developed from there. Um, because at the time, come to find out we were living across the alleyway from, from one another. So she has become a mentor, a friend, a, a pseudo mama figure for me. And, and um, yeah, I'm so excited for you to hear her story. So without further ado, Kara, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sweet pea. You know, I am so honored to be on this podcast with you. I adore you all the way. And you are actually still in my phone as a Courtney Sandpoint hot yoga. And I just can't bring myself to change it because I'm just like, oh, that was my, that was our time. Um, so my name is Kara Pacific Campbell. I am, I'm a life coach. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a Reiki master. Um, I've recently outed myself as a sorceress in that I just pray and listen and connect to the divine all day long. Um, and that is all like 180 degrees from what I used to be. So back in the day, um, I was like super type A lady. I was, uh, I was a sales director for an engineering software company. I was managing global teams. I was doing all the things, but still missed, um, I don't know, a sense of like happiness. Like I kind of felt like my soul wasn't being represented in all of the work that I was doing, even though I had had all of these um, like material trappings. And according to the world, I was super successful. I had won lots of awards. And then about five years ago, my body completely gave out. It took us a long time and uh, we finally found out that it was chronic Lyme disease, that it was starting to shut down my organs. And I just recommitted myself during that time to not only heal my body, 
but also start to really heal my soul, right? And to get in alignment with what it is I was meant to be doing. I, I tried to use that time as an invitation. So here I am five years later, still dealing um, with the Lyme, but somehow like not a completely different person, but a very different person. And just so much more in alignment and so much happier. I feel like I, I kind of traded, I traded up, even though maybe from the outside, it looks like I traded down. It was definitively a trade up. Mm -hmm. mm, I love that definitively a trade up. And I'm going to say that again, for, for those who are listening and who might be seeking that definitive trade-up in some way, shape, or form. And again, you and I both trust in the divine. So for those that who have come to listen to this podcast, know that you are here for an absolute reason, and we appreciate you showing up. And um, yeah, we trust that you will you will get from this conversation what, what you were meant to. Um, so Kara, will you break it down for us in terms of this div div divine trade-up? And if we want to talk decades or just moments that stuck out to you where you knew, okay, a, p a pivot is going to happen here. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit prior and we had a conversation before we started recording this episode. Um, but yeah, those defining moments where you knew something was shifting for you in your life. Yeah. So um, you know, I always tend to go back to the teaching that the universe tries to teach us through joy. And when we don't respond to joy, the universe will always default to suffering, right? Because our soul wants to learn and our soul is not afraid of suffering. So I have never, well, until recently, I've never been one to learn through joy, only suffering, <laughs> only discomfort. And what I started to notice over time was the discomfort existed alongside great achievements. So at times when I quote unquote should have been like, oh my God, this is amazing. I oftentimes felt uncomfortable, like itchy in my skin, kind of like we were saying before, like it. And I ignored a lot of that itchiness for a long time. So I thought, well, you know, it's me, right? Like I'm just not doing it right. I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not drinking enough wine, <laughs> you know, like I'm just gonna numb through this discomfort. Um, so I actually spent a few years during my corporate career. I was in, I was in corporate sales for about 20 years. And the last probably two years of it, we met with our financial advisors every six months and had the exact same discussion. This is not sustainable. How much longer do I have to do this? Because I knew my body wasn't gonna be able to do it. I didn't know why my body wasn't gonna be able to do it other than the fact that working 60 to 80 hours a week um, traveling like crazy, drinking a bunch of wine. It's not healthy for me. Like, I was like, all I want to do is sort of grow up and be like a yoga teacher. 
and um, you know, run retreats and like do this stuff that makes my heart happy. But I was on the hamster wheel of being successful, right? We always needed more money to come in. And every time I would try to pull away, I would get another accolade. I would win another award. I would get another promotion. So it actually got to the point where when I finally got sick, my body literally just stopped working. We were in the process of moving to Germany for me to take over the German sales team. So I was ignoring all the itching until finally it was like, okay, abject suffering. Here you go. And what I thought was really interesting, I've been reading my journals through that time, was that even though I was devastated, and I mean, we literally had doctors telling us regularly that I was dying, but they couldn't figure out what I was dying of, I had this tremendous sense of relief. Like, okay, that's over. And I've noticed that I've started to work with the sense of relief and the itchiness a lot over time. So two years after I was diagnosed, I still wasn't fully functional by any stretch of the imagination, but I started to feel really itchy. Again, my house didn't feel good. My country club didn't feel good. All these things that represented me, all these suits in my closet didn't feel good. And instead of waiting until the bottom fell out again, we put our house on the market without even knowing where we were moving just yet. Like, like my husband was very supportive because I was just like, here's the itchy feeling, which means I need to do this. I need to make this change. And, you know, it was very fortuitous. Everything, of course, magically happened exactly as you would expect. Um, we walked into our house and went, our new house here in Sandpoint and went, oh, that's our house. We bought it on my birthday. We bought house number 437 on my 43rd birthday. Um, and there've been a few other instances as well where things just need to change. And even with some of the, the, the coaching and the training that I've done, you know, I was, I was committed to like, sure we're going to do one-on-one -on -one clients and well, this is it and then that started to feel itchy and now i've just you know made some openings like oh maybe it's more speaking maybe it's more teaching like i'm not holding on to these things but i'm i'm quick to, i'm quick to release when the discomfort starts does that answer your question or did that ramble on forever <laughs> yes that was beautiful and there's all oh, there's a couple nuggets that I, that I want to highlight there and um one of them was what you just you just ended that um yeah that explanation of like i'm quick to release i'm i'm quick to release and that comes what what i from this um listening inner listening and you described it as itchiness and and i and i really like that and um, as someone who is a somatic practitioner in training and feels how my life, I've lived a lot um, connecting with the intangible, right? Also connecting with spirit, connecting with energy. Um, and especially as a child and a teenager, I, I, I was like trying to attach myself to the tangible, right? Like, what can I be? What's my profession going to be? Or what kind of friend am I? Or what kind of, you know, what, what are these extrinsic 
extrinsic things that define me. And um, my question for you, Kara, is for those folks who who perhaps want to connect with spirit or want to connect with divine or want to connect with their intuition, right? We can call it so many things, but feel like they have just innately a harder time doing it. What does that what does that feel like in your body? Or could you give us an example of um, perhaps some sensations that might not resonate with you, but might might resonate with some other people in terms of uh, the visceral connection to the divine within our somas? Hmm, that's a really good question. Well, I think the first trick is actually getting in touch with our bodies at all right? Because we, as a society, are just taught to numb, right? Like anything, if it isn't absolute bliss, is something that we're just trying to numb out any discomfort. And what I've noticed and what I've noticed with a lot of the clients that I've worked with is that the divine comes in two ways, one of which is that idea of joy, right? Like whatever really lights you up, is for you so oftentimes there will be something right a, a thing that we eat a thing that we do a thing that we like to listen to or watch and it just makes us happy in a way that we can't explain but we tend to shame ourselves because it's not practical right it's a waste of time it's expensive it's extra calories it's it's all the things and i noticed that it's through those things that light us up that we can connect more with ourselves and the divine. So I would encourage people to just notice when they're starting to tell themselves why they can't do that thing that they really want to do um, and allow themselves to play with doing it right for me. And um, for everyone I work with, everything, the element of play is really important. And then just engaging with a really a sense of wonderment, right? Like it's an experiment. Our bodies are like these magical experiment grounds. And let's play with what lights us up. Let's play with letting ourselves do that. And let's play with taking a couple breaths during our day and just seeing what, if anything, we can feel in our bodies. Because the divine will also come sometimes in maybe a little rumbling in our tummy, maybe a little flutter in our chest, maybe a little tightness in our throat, little teeny things that let us know that we're not in alignment or we're holding ourselves back. One of my favorite exercises that I learned early on in my process was to stop. We would set it, I would set a timer three times a day. And when the timer went off, I would take three deep breaths and I would check in with myself and see what I noticed in my body, what feelings I had. So the first one was physical sensations. The second one was angry, hungry, stressed, whatever. And then what thoughts I was telling myself. And that was a really easy way just to start to notice because I hadn't even noticed before. Mm -hmm. So I think the, 
those would be my my things just those those little check-ins and really knowing that what what lights you up is just as important as what makes you uncomfortable mm, i love that what what lights you up is just as important as what makes you uncomfortable and hearing that takes me straight to my yoga practice and my yoga teaching. And one thing that I cue often is let's go to that place, especially in physical asana, asana in our physical postures, um, for those of you listening who might not be as familiar with yoga. Um, but let's go to that place that, where we can experience comfortable discomfort, right? And, and that's the one thing I love about yoga is I one thing I often say as well is it's a series it's a po like series of poses that offer paradox to us right that that brings about that push and that pull and and the tugging in both directions and yoga is not just a practice of the of the physical body it's a practice of the spiritual the emotional and, and the mental bodies as well and um, yeah I. I guess this is a perfect transition, Kara, for you to tell us a little bit about one your your practice, your yoga practice, your um, how you came into into that practice, and um, yeah, and how it ties into really the divine and connecting to the divine within your body. Wow! So my yoga practice, um, I started yoga when I was eighteen. So I've been doing yoga for almost 30 years. And it, at the time it was offered as like a phys ed um, option, right, in college. And I was looking for something easy. I was looking for something relaxy. I was, um, my degree is chemical and petroleum engineering. So I was looking for something as opposite of that as possible. And it was Friday afternoons. And it was honest to God, my favorite college class I've ever taken. <laughs> I was like the only student that would not blow off Friday afternoon class because I was like, no, I have yoga. Like, this is very serious for me. Um, so I found it early. I loved it out of the gate. Of course, it was like, it was exercise class, right? It was, it was phys ed. It didn't matter. It gave me um, a grounding and it like an an entree into my body that hadn't been available to me before, even though I had trained as a dancer um, and I had played sports, those were all much more making my body do things versus playing and seeing what my body could do. So I, um, I stuck with yoga off and on throughout my twenties. I am, um, I broke my back when I was a kiddo, so it was important, you know, what that I had found out when I was 18. I struggled with very severe depression and anxiety through my 20s. And yoga was like the one thing that, you know, I always waited until like it was, it was on like the last straw kind of thing, but I could always go to a mat and just re-find myself. Um, and then I broke my back again in my 30s. And yoga became even more important because I was told that there was no chance I was walking again. And I started doing yoga on the regular, you know, laying on the floor, doing what I could to try to rebuild my back. And then when um, 
when I was diagnosed with the chronic Lyme disease, of course, yoga became even more important <laughs> because it was like, okay, I was walking now. And now, and, and, and yoga took different forms, right? Because for a lot of it, it was a very physical practice. I'm building muscle. I'm building my body. I'm, I'm making this happen. And then when I was in my 40s and diagnosed with the chronic Lyme, it became, I'm resting. I'm learning about my body. I'm making space for whatever is happening in my body. And it really made this shift to like gentle, gentle, gentle movements. I went from a, a hot vinyasa, right? I was like the competitive yoga girl in the front of the room. I'm like, you little outfit. And I was like, yes. Um, yeah, so I went from that to being like in the class with all of the geriatric people laying on the floor, barely able to pull my knee into my chest, but feeling like these tremendous waves of release, both physical and emotional. And it really made such a shift for me. Um, and then also when I got sick, I started to add the element of meditation. And that between the, the meditation and the gentle movement completely changed how I show up in the world and what I make space for and how I define success. So even now, when I teach yoga classes, as we were talking earlier, the classes I really like are the slow and easy ones where you have to accidentally listen to your body because there's nothing else to do in the amount of time that you're laying on the floor and holding the pose. And that's, I find, you know, I've always found that I would get bursts of insight during my classes, even when I, even when I was competitive yogi. Um, but now I can walk out of a class, even if it's just one that I taught with like this pro profound sense of kind of awareness and belonging and safety that just wasn't available before. I mean, I, I said to my husband the other day, I said, you know, maybe I'm becoming one of those people because like, I just don't even know how people live without doing yoga and meditation and journaling every day. <laughs> yeah, same end to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I don't even get it. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I understand. I spent most of my life also not doing that. But now that I know, it's basically like the magic sauce. <laughs> yes. Yes, right. The the cherry on top, and I'm I'm giggling myself. Um, having a similar thought process and awakening, if you will, to to truly how simple, um, simple these things can be, right? And and I encompass that in the in the self healing category, in the in the connecting to spirit, and um, and I know really in our Western world, it's. We're, we're looking for all of the ways in which we can complicate something to find an answer, right? Or to feel better uh -huh. or, and um, rather than looking directly at the source, right? And, oh, wow, something as simple as conscious breath can like heal me, you know, and can relieve my anxiety and in my physical ail ailments as well. Um, and 
yeah, writing down my thoughts, getting, I always just think about getting the energy, getting the kept energy up and out of our body. And I know, Kara, you and I have, we speak the same language and, and I've learned that a lot of people do not, right? And um, I had made the joke to, to Kara just before we started recording about how I'm like, sometimes I think about if, I wonder if people just think I'm this, this kooky, you know, hippie lady from the panhandle of Idaho who's like, you know, but I'm, I feel so grateful to have connected with people who uh, who speak the same language and really, truly the, the energy that lives within us, it's, it's going to stay there if we don't if we don't uplift it and, and let it go um, and be that through journaling, be that through breath work, be that through connecting with nature, be that through body work, massage movement, uh, dance, you know, there's, there's so many ways. There's so many ways. No, absolutely. And, and I've, I've come to terms and, you know, maybe it's being closer to 50 than not. I've come to terms with the fact that people can totally think that I'm a whack job and that's totally okay. And, um, I just, it's so amazing to be able to help and especially help people that don't speak our language and who don't have any desire to speak our language, but just help them like, just by being present with my energy and to make a couple suggestions, you know, like even with my boys here at home, every once in a while, just everybody take a big breath and sigh everything out really loudly, you know, or just shake wiggles, just, change energy and they don't need to know all this stuff and they you know but it's just that little impact or even you know cueing different breath work in a yoga class and just all of a sudden you can feel a palpable shift in the energy without having to get into any of the woo-woo words <laughs> or any of the reasons why i'm a crazy lady like it just it's really great <laughs> I, I do. I share in that the, I mean, the, I mean, I want to just dub it as the innate light, light keeper within us and, and the intense feeler uh, that's like, you don't need to know, you know, and, and like, we know that I tell my partner all the time, I, I focus on language I, and I focus on words, because although I know that they're just these little constructs that have been built in our, you know, in our English language and in every language, they, they're important. And oftentimes what people say can come straight uprooted from the, the soul out their mouth, right? Or it can come from the subconscious mind or it can come from the critical, you know, hypercritical parent mind. And I mean that for every, regardless of if you're a parent, but that voice of like, you know, you're not doing good enough or whatever. Um, but as a listener, we can begin to discern like where those words are coming from. And um, like a, one that's surfacing for me right now that I, that I hear that just makes me chuckle um, is like, I have a lot of friends who are like, yoga's not for me. Yoga's not for me, mm -mm. tried it, won't do it. And you know, on one hand, obviously I'm, I'm biased. I love yoga, I teach yoga, I have a devout yoga practice. On the other hand, I'm like, dude, I get it. Like there's video games aren't for me, you know, and, and, and there's something for everyone. And, and I honor that. And I'm going to tell you, try out three different yoga classes with three different teachers. Right. And if you tell me 
I, nope, I like a, a cardio exercise. I like to get my heart, you know, heartbeat up. Yoga's too snoozy for me. Again, that's okay, right? I, I value that. I hear that. And I might offer the nudge of like, well, well, maybe that's why, maybe that's why you should do it, right? Even like just once a week. And, um, you know, one thing I heard one uh, somewhere along the line is like, if you're a runner or a cyclist, or you do like, a lot of strength training for every hour per week that you were doing that, pair it with an hour of yoga. And I will go as far to say, okay, we don't need to call it yoga, we can call it stretching, we can call it you know, getting get in the muck and gunk out of our bodies. We can call it whatever you want to call it. But what I've noticed is a lot of people just need accountability with especially with stretching and um and with calming down, right? With with coming into the parasympathetic nervous system. And I will say that wholeheartedly for myself. I I much prefer showing up to be led in my yoga practice uh, because for me that takes me out of my head. Right. Yes, I can teach yoga. Yes, I know how to cue and sequence postures together. But when I'm doing it on my own, I'm thinking about doing it right versus just showing up and being led. Then I can be in my body further versus being in my head and my body. So and that and that's funny. I have the opposite experience right now. I have been led for years. I've always loved being led. And now I cannot tolerate it. And I don't create a class. I just get on my mat and my body does the next thing. And sometimes I'm on my mat for 10 minutes. Sometimes I'm on my mat for an hour and a half. Sometimes getting on my mat means laying there for an hour. And sometimes it means a really moving sequence. And it's so much breathing that it's almost embarrassing to do it in a class right now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm moving so much energy and I'll find that like where, where if we were teaching a class, we would cue a flow. I end up getting in that thing and just holding like until it's time to be released. So it's such an intuitive thing for me right now that it's it's its own it's its own animal and I almost like I don't want to go to a studio because I'm like you don't touch my thing yeah you know you're gonna like mess it up like this is this is my most precious thing I'm learning how to fully communicate with my body and the divine within mm -hmm. my body and release all of this stored stuff and I don't know where that stored stuff is right so my body has to tell me and then once I get there, I breathe like a super weirdo and it's loud and you hear these like ridiculous sighs and mm -hmm. I shake and it's all things that, you know, it's not necessarily what I would want to do in front of a whole room of people, but I would, I, I have. Um, so yeah, I, I get you, but I'm, I'm on the opposite side. I, I want my own little private thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, and th thank you for, for painting that picture, Kara. It is incredibly important. And that, that practice I honor and I value so deeply as well. And, and what I'm hearing is even hearing about your journey is it's it, yoga for you has served its purpose in, in the phase of life that you've been right. And it's been that one thing that has been consistent. And yes, it has molded and changed and shaped 
um, forms, but it's it's been there and it's it's been it's molded to what served you, be it that one Friday afternoon class as an 18 year old or this this sacred somatic practice right now for you in uplifting and uprooting kempt energy within your body and and i and i love that analogy too of like don't don't touch my you know don't touch that thing like when we when we enter shared space with people yes it can be beautiful yes it can be amazing right as humans we are designed to, to to connect and when we are so deeply in in our processes it's it's so sacred right and oftentimes we don't want that to be shared with with a whole room of people um and maybe that's something that we share more intimately with one friend right that we have a conversation about it doesn't mean that we need to be sharing asana or sharing practice um, but i really appreciate you pointing that out and yes deep deep belly breaths to to the sign to the releasing and I can very much relate to that. I, there'll, I'll be moments where I'm like in the kitchen or I'm, you know, I'm even outside or we're in the car and I just like, and you know, my, my partner knows now, but there's moments where he's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, it's, it's just a deep sigh. Like it's, it's just a deep exhale. That's the soundtrack of, of our house. My husband does the same. <laughs> my son does the same thing. Like you would think that, uh, I don't know that we're like these super crazy uptight people or something like that, but we're all just inherently moving energy like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Kara, so you have told us about right, your journey moving from saleswoman, getting accolades upon accolades upon accolades to diving deep into finding the answers of what was happening with your body and um yeah trying to find reason behind what you were feeling viscerally um especially especially in those moments of um just deep deep chronic fatigue and and so one question i have for you is what are some ways you've been able to find a sense of deep restoration within your body So my favorite thing to do in the whole world, like top hobby, is to lay in bed with a heating pad on my abdomen. And I find that it offers a grounding presence that is really restorative. I'm also a huge fan of baths, Epsom salt baths. And one of the critical uh, restoration factors during the past five years for me has been infrared sauna because it really combined the idea of warm which feels good to me right like hot is my happy place despite living in north idaho um and and i would put a meditative practice with it so it was a breathing meditation in the warm letting it kind of all sweat out i would i um I would do a tremor practice with it as well. So really deep restoration. I would always come out of out of the sauna feeling much, much better. And seriously, I nap like it's my job. I'm a hardcore napper and I am diligent about 10 o'clock. The lights are off and I am in bed 
even if I just lay there in the dark. Like, I guard my sleep time. I nap like it's my job, baths, rest, like, and I understand that I have that extra time. You know, that's, that's a gift of illness to be able to have time to have a restorative practice. One of my favorite things to do when there isn't a lot of time is actually to do just a good meditation for as many minutes as I have. And I find that that can be as restorative as a nap or a bath or an hour in the sauna. Mm. Mm. And I mean, for those of you listening, that paints a picture of really simplicity and how, like, yeah, if you're, if you're on the go, if you, if you're at your kid's sporting event or you're, you know, at, at a school assembly or you're traveling for work, like, you can also be meditating, right? And it doesn't mean you need to be sitting with your, your legs crossed um, and your hands in, in a mudra, but you could be consciously breathing for three minutes. And, you know, there's several apps nowadays and YouTube recordings where you can just pop it on your, your smartphone and, and give that gift to yourself. Um, and I say that because I think our minds can lend us to the place of, again, of complexity or, um, yeah, rigidity. So, you know, I can't do this or I can't do X, Y, and Z because, I'm not near my sauna or I, I'm not at my yoga studio I go to, right? But there, there are so many uh, little gifts we can give back to ourselves on our own. And Absolutely. And like, you know, my baths, you don't need more than 15 or 20 minutes. And we have this crappy little bathtub. I barely fit in it. <laughs> and, you know, I just buy the Epsom salts at Costco, right? Dump in some lavender or something. Maybe throw on some like, healing music off of YouTube on my phone. Okay, 15 minutes. There we go. Like it, it didn't take all day. It didn't didn't take a production. It was just a matter of not scrolling for those 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, wasting time staring at something else or berating myself for how I you know, it would be too ridiculous for me to take a bath in the middle of the day. Who does that? I, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I, I get things done. Sometimes I'll sit 15, 20 minutes. I can get out of there. And all of a sudden I go, oh, I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I felt like absolute crap all morning. I journaled. I meditated. I took a bath. And I was willing to just forego the whole day. I was like, I feel terrible. By the time I had done all of those things, I was like, oh, I'm going to write my newsletter. I'm going to post a reel. I'm going to play with Canva. I'm going to like make dinner. I'm going to do all these other things that I did not have energy to do. So I actually ended up getting more done yesterday than I would have in an average day had I not taken the time to be quote unquote, like, you know, decadent, decadent with my restorative practice. Mm. Mm. Yes, I love that so, so much. And I'm sure 
for those of our, I'm hopeful that for those of, of you listening, you have some way in which you can relate, right? That that just brings you back to that. No, I am here and I, I can do this. And even if this is the day where I'm feeling, I've got a major headache or I'm feeling sore and fatigued within my body, there are some simple grounding or deeply restorative practices that can bring me back maybe even all the way to equilibrium or bring me back a little bit towards like, okay, I, I can do this today, right? One foot and step in front of the other. And yes, so, so, so valuable. Um, Kara, I just, before I forget the thought, because it's been trickling in and out, uh, this whole this whole podcast episode is, I know at the beginning, you have shared with us, you'd recently outed yourself as a sorceress, and I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about that, and what that means to you, and hopefully we've got some other sorceresses listening to this podcast as well. So this is a very new thing, it just happened like last week. Um, and it happened very off the cuff. I was talking to my neighbor, who's an older, super conservative gentleman, and I was on my way to give a Reiki treatment. And he, of course, didn't know what that was. And I was like, oh, it's energy work. And he's like, what? And I said, well, you know, I'm a sorceress. And this is my bag of tricks that I'm taking. And I said it just to be ridiculous, because I like to say things to be ridiculous and entertain myself. But I sat with that and I was like, you know, I've really been struggling for the past couple of years to figure out like, what am I, right? It goes back to this idea of the labeling of where do I fit? And I've really, life coach feels weird. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly trained in that, but I don't, I don't like that title. I've been told by multiple shamans that I'm a shaman. That title doesn't feel that comfortable to me either. But something about when I said sorceress, it just like struck. Like it was like when I was talking about earlier with like finding what lights you up. Like I felt like I had this like crystal light in my chest that just like burst out like green lantern or something. I'm like, yes, that's my thing. And it's really, you know, it's really leaning into this idea of claiming my own connection to source and claiming the fact that I do that like I work directly through source channeling source in some way shape or form all day every day you know I when I wake up in the morning the first thing I say is divine thank you for this day I offer it completely to you Please tell me where to go, what to do, what to say, and to whom. And I repeat some variation of that combined with like, I surrender <laughs> all day long. So I'm always asking, I'm always in prayer, not asking for things or results, but guidance as to how it is that I'm to best show up and represent this light and to allow it to flow through me without attachment. And that feels like a sorceress. That feels like one who is deeply connected to source. You know, the black magic stuff might be super cool. I don't really know anything about that. <laughs> it's not really on my radar. Um, 
but being just deeply connected and guided and willing to show up in light um, while also embracing and appreciating my own shadows, which I think is really important because I don't want to get into this idea of toxic positivity and like, oh my God, you're the light. Um, there, there's both. It's yes and. Mm -hmm. So that really feels like, I don't know, I'm really excited. Like I have all these visions now of like doing like sorceress summer camps and like sorceress school and helping women really start to connect with the divine within themselves and Mary Magdalene energy and all sorts of like good, yummy, magical stuff. Yes, yes. And oh, I, w I wish you all could see the just the glow on Kara's face right now. As I said, we're recording this over Zoom. And so I can just see her smile and, and just the, the light radi radiating off of her cheekbones. And it, it took me straight back to when I said words are important. And you can just if you listen, and slow down to listen, you can hear whether where they're coming from, right? And I and sometimes I like I said, they're coming straight from the soul out the mouth. And it's like, yes, and that it's those moments as you depicted Kara, they're they're hard to even bring words to, but it just I just felt this deep sense of resonance. And in that moment, as you said, when you were talking to your neighbor and um, you know, just saying something silly or, or whatever, just sometimes, and I do the same thing to see what kind of reaction I might get from another person. Um, exactly. Like, oh, well, that was, that was meant to surface, clearly, like that was, and, um, and I loved how you said, you know, I, every morning I, I recite the divine prayer and, um, and I also surrender, right? I, I do both things every single day. And I feel that that's a great practice of relinquishing control as well, which I know in the world that we live a lot, that's a lot, that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, is feeling as if they have a sense of control or they need a sense of control or they desire a sense of control and even going as far to trying to relinquish it and um, not really feeling like they can or not feeling like they see a lot of progress in that area. And um, I'd be curious to, to hear what you have to say there, Kara. And I'd love for you to recite the divine prayer one more time for us, too. Sure. So the divine prayer, I actually, um, it comes from A Course in Miracles, which I discovered shortly after my um, Lyme disease diagnosis. And it made a huge impact on how I have proceeded going forward, obviously, if I say the prayer every day. And the prayer is, please tell me where to go, what to do, what to say, and to whom. Mm -hmm. Those are the, those are the key things. And, you know, I literally was just like everybody else, if not like infinitely worse than everybody else, right? Because I was trying to be all things to all people at all times. I was trying to control everything. I never felt like I had anything under control. So I tried harder to control everything. So the fact that I show up now five years later and say, no, that's cool. I don't need to control anything. I'm good. 
it has been a complete turnabout. And it's really come from this dismantling of control, right? Everything I was trying to control, I lost. And every time I would try harder, things got worse. <laughs> so finally I had to go, you know what? I suck at this. Like, I suck at this and I'm making myself sicker and sicker and sicker and I'm making other people more and more unhappy because I'm trying to control it. And clearly I have no idea what the hell is going on. Clearly my job here is to just step back and funnel whatever I can. And I had learned actually, it's funny, it's coming to me. At one point in time, before the bottom fell out, I knew something was wrong. I physically wasn't feeling great, but also like I just had this knowing that shit just was not right. So I did what most people would not do. Um, I immediately booked a trip to go to Costa Rica for a women's retreat that was like mystical magic something, right? Like I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go straight weird out of the gate. Like I wanna be as far away from engineering software sales as possible. I'm gonna go way over there. And the woman leading the retreat had taught this whole lesson about how like we had to pretend like we weren't iron, right? Like, and we could be trying to be the iron and iron shirts and like muscle our way through it. Or we could just plug into the wall and let divine energy flow through us and let a divine hand lift us and carry us and iron the shirts. And I was like, what? Mind I have been lifting this iron forever <laughs> and it is heavy as hell. I just thought it had to get skinnier. Like, <laughs> water in it maybe, or there's gonna be a new design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So all of a sudden I was like, oh, I just completely thought I had a faulty iron. Um, and that have planted the seed for this shift that like things could be different. And of course, you know, it took forever, right? It, these things don't happen overnight and sometimes they do. But for me, they certainly don't. I'm a hard learner. Like I need it to be as hard as possible for as long as possible. And then finally I'm like, oh, you mean that? <laughs> um, so as the bottoms of, of everything started falling out more and more and more and more. And when uh, A Course in Miracles came into my life, I was like, what? I'm surrounded by love? Mm -hmm. God has got my back. Mm -hmm. I just have to plug into the wall? Like, oh, okay. And then I fought that for a while, right? Because that feels too easy. It's like cheating. And it feels like, or it felt to me like I was um, surrendering in like an unhealthy way, like being codependent or something with source or making somebody else do my work for me mm -hmm. or not showing up for myself. And then finally over time, I realized, no, that is like the bravest, most authentic, most like badass thing I could be doing is actually plugging in and letting whatever comes out of that source from the wall fly and know that that is in fact what is best for me and all beings everywhere i like to add that into my things right like may this be the best outcome for me and all beings everywhere mm -hmm. yes yes that 
may this be the best outcome for me and all beings everywhere. And I have to say, I say a rendition of that very thing with every one of my craniosacral clients as, you know, may all may healing help this, this person on my table right in front of me and, and, and all beings everywhere. Sure. And, uh, it truly, I love that, that you acknowledge too, like, no, this really is the most badass thing I, I could do. And, and I also chuckled too it, uh, to myself and like, no, you know, typically my learning has to be the, the most difficult and the longest possible <laughs> until I realized that I've been banging my head against a brick wall for years now. And uh, the answer, sure enough, is right in front of me. Um, I can very much relate in that and, and also learn something new too from you, Kara, about the, um, your Costa Rica retreat. And I, I just, that makes me feel all the more connected to you. Um, I had a similar experience in, in my journey having, yeah, I just went through a breakup and then my friend, you know, literally days later asked me to go to this retreat in Costa Rica. And it was just no questions asked. Absolutely. When do I need to be and where? And really, when I think back to that moment, and that wasn't too long ago, um, that was my introduction into somatic work and into, you know, and then that looking back felt like that that was the purpose, right? That's why I was there. And that was my invitation to like, this work exists. And again, come arriving at something that was like, wow, this makes so much intuitive sense to me. I feel like I've been searching my whole life for this. And um, so I give gratitude to those experiences and those people such as yourself uh, who arrive um, from the divine in our lives. And uh, yeah, I, I feel more often than not, what it takes is that initial act of surrender and uh, that opens up the doors for um, for opportunity or for people for connection to 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 come in and to walk through those doors. Um, yeah, and uh, Kara, I know our time here is wrapping up soon, but I do have one more question for you. As I know, we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I want you to to tell us what living with intuition and and connecting to the divine looks like in partnership with you specifically with your husband and in in the context of a romantic relationship and the context here for this question just comes from curiosity within myself and I've talked to a couple other friends about this and how you know I'm similar and we could you know relate this to your Myers-Briggs if you're thinking if you're feeling whatever but I'm, I'm just the same as you and, and my partner is a, is a thinker. And so, you know, and that's how he's been validated in this world. And, and, it, and it comes down to like, well, neither's wrong. We just need to learn how to understand one another. Um, so tell us what that looks like for you. Yeah. So thank you for asking that question because that is, that's an important question because a lot of the women that I meet, you know, there's a fear of change, right? There's a fear of getting weird and alienating their partner. I had that same fear. I get weirder every day and I still have that fear. And my husband is like an amazing man, right? I am smitten with my husband. We've been together for almost 20 years. I still think he's the best thing since sliced bread. And he drinks IPAs 
and drives a pickup truck and doesn't want any parts of yoga and thinks I'm crazy. And he has seen this evolution in me and he has seen how it's changed my life and how I've become much more accommodating, much more accepting, much more loving. And he's started to relax into it to the point now where he, he'll default to me. He's like, I'm not exactly sure what you have going on, the sorceress, but like, if this is what you think, you know, if this, if this is what the people are telling you to do, then like, that's cool. Like, you know, even, even when we made the move to Idaho, when we were initially starting to move, I said to him, I was like, we need to move. And I mean, we had a gorgeous house. And we worked hard for that house. Like that was like our, our thing, right? Like we had shown that we had made it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, we're done with that now. And he was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like you, this is the house you wanted. I'm like, yes, I know, and we're done. <laughs> and he resisted that at first. And then he was like, no, that feels good. You're right. You know, and the new house felt better. And there are certainly times that we miss the big house. Don't get me wrong. But that wasn't our house anymore. So now, and there have been, I mean, countless situations like that where it's been me either instigating something or there's just a knowing that I have that he'll come to me for, for clarification or if I say, this, this is actually what needs to happen, or I don't know what needs to happen, but this is what we need to prepare for. He just goes, okay, that's cool. Like, mm -hmm. all right. Like, and, and he's starting to now see um, when one makes the shift, right? From the controlling to the accepting, from, the, from kind of the tightness to letting the light go through, their energy completely changes. And I have been no exception to that, right? My energy is completely changed. I am a better mother. I'm a better partner. I make a lot more space for them. I offer them a lot more grace. I understand that they are always doing their best, even if it's very far from what I would have anticipated or wanted or needed from them. But I'm able to meet them from a place that goes, hey, like, that's cool. Like, that wasn't what I needed. So I'm going to take care of myself for what this other thing is. But I appreciate or and I appreciate your showing up and having done your part. So it I've been proven myself trust trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the, the divine has proven herself to be trustworthy. Yes. My 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 people make space for her now and go. Yes. All right, that's weird, but like, okay, it works. Yeah. Like, it's very helpful. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. My my people instill trust in her now. That's that's what stood out to me, and an interest in her as in you, and an interest in her as in the divine that flows through you in each and every moment, and and flows through all of us. And and. Uh, the caveat there is oftentimes we we need to open ourselves up to to source and and to 
divine to to run through. Oh, absolutely. And I really try hard not to um, kind of bogart the divine in our relationships. So I encourage them. Like, well, I don't know. What, what does your intuition tell you? Like, I honor what you're bringing to this as well. I don't, I don't, I'm not just going to give you a bunch of answers, even if I think I know what's best. What, what I think is best is inherently not as good as what you feel is best for you. Mm-hmm. Unless we're talking about kids, in which case that's a fine line. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, and that's a whole, you know, that could be a whole podcast number two, a whole nother conversation. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just really, I really appreciate that, that response, Kara. And um, yeah, it has my wheels turning for sure. And um, as a new parent myself, it it definitely has opened up the opportunity to to learn further um, when, and a decision that feels so inherent and innate to me is, feels differently to, to my partner, whom I love so much. And also we could not be more different in so many ways, you know, similar um, to you and yours. And what that opens up to me, and we talked about this previously, Kara, is just the d- divine nature of love and how unconditional and free flowing and adaptive and beautiful it is. And, and that's, Again, that's another podcast episode. Um, but I, I told my partner this the other day. I said, "There's, there's moments where I'm like, wow, like you love you love me, and and like wow, you know, because on the outside looking in, yes, we can pick apart all of our differences, but that what's and even sometimes one day I told him I was like, I just feel so angry because my soul chose you." And in doing so has brought about all of these opportunities to learn <laughs> that in the moment can feel very, very, very aggravating. And, and I won't undermine that. And, and as Kara said, too, you know, I won't, I'm not about the toxic positivity. We're, we've always got our shadow sides with us, too, right? And um, so that's all to say. It's, it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. <laughs> or that's the hope, at least. <laughs> It is. It's it's always worth it no matter what happens. Right? So when we're when we're in alignment and true to ourselves, the the relationships may not last, but what we get out of them is 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 most beneficial for us and the other person. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun when the relationships last too. It's all just more triggering. <laughs> <laughs> But somewhere, somewhere around year 15, you go, my God, he's just so cute. (laughs) Yes. You know, like, yes, I know I've thrown things at your head and we've had our fights and I may have left you at a couple of places over the years. And, you know, there have been really bad, ugly parts and my God, you're just so cute. (laughs) I just so appreciate yeah. All of all of the evolution. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, truly. And I, I mean, I'm in a not a not a partnership of twenty years uh, yet, but the, I I can relate in those yeah those moments where it just tickles me, right? It just brings a grin to my face. And amidst the differences, amidst the arguments, amidst the disagreements, I can I can still come back to that. Wow, you're 
I really love you a lot. You know, I see how much you love me and I, and I see how much you appreciate me, even amidst my differences, which can be hard to understand. And, um, yes, may it be so. Uh-huh. <laughs> may it be so. Uh, well, Kara, as we wrap up here, I would like you to give our listeners an opportunity to connect with you um, if you so desire and a good way for them to do that. Sure. The best way um, to connect with me right now is probably through either Instagram or Facebook. I don't have a, uh, a website up yet, though that is sort of in, in the long range, short range plan. Um, but Facebook and Instagram are both Cara, C-A-R-A, Pacific, like the ocean, Campbell, like the soup. So C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. Once the, uh, once the website's up, it'll probably be under that name as well. So that's just the moniker to reach me for everything. Um, I, I have a newsletter. You're welcome to sign up for that via Instagram just send monthly love letters out normally embarrassing stories about myself and what I learned. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I do speaking engagements and work with individual clients and run workshops. I put some things together, but more often than not, I react to people with what it is that they're interested in. So if there's something, you know, anyone listening, if there's something that you're like, wow, I would like to learn more than that more about this or that, or have you speak about a certain thing, you know, please reach out. I would love to talk with you more. Yes. And I can echo that Kara is a wonderful collaborator who brings so, so, so much wisdom and light to the experience in which you are collaborating or working together, be that one-on-one or co-facilitation. Um, yes. And there's just, there's a deep sense of, of grounding and knowing and that what flows through her was, was meant to, and, and what didn't was not. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Kara, so much. And I will pop her information in the show notes for those of you listening as well. And uh, we appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much. I love you to the moon. I love you, I love you. I love you too, sis. And don't you worry, for those of you who enjoyed this episode, there will be more, I am sure, in the future. So stay tuned. And uh, we'll talk to you later.